Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Well, I'm excited. Uh, we're we're going to be closing off my part, I think, of the, the series that we've been in uh, the past few weeks called It Starts With Me. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, It Starts With Me. It Starts With Me. It Starts With Me. I've got a question for you. Have you ever struggled with the tension between who you are and who you want to be? The tension between who you are and who you want to be. The truth is we all have an ideal vision for our lives, for who we want to be, but I found that my vision for my life and who I presently am are not always congruent. Can I get an amen from somebody on that? They're not always the same. They're not always in harmony. You know, we've got good company uh, in the scripture. The apostle Paul said this in Romans 7, verse 15. He said, I don't really understand myself. Anybody ever felt like that? You got good company. Paul was one of the greatest leaders who've ever lived, and he said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Uh, Everyone struggles with this from, from one extreme to the other, and we all have different solutions to how we deal with this. For some of this, uh, for some of us, we decide, hey, I don't care what anybody thinks. Anybody been there? Only God can judge me, right? Uh, that doesn't always play out quite the way that we think it will, because then on the other side, uh, we have our own opinion. So like we, we can become obsessed with the opinion of other people or not care about the opinion of other people and become with, obsessed with our opinion of ourselves. But the truth is, if you live long enough, you are not going to live up to your own expectations. Can I get an amen? Somebody on that. Look what Paul says in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 4.3 says, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. Right? That fits in well with our post-postmodern thinking. Okay, bye, Georgie. I love you. Say bye, everyone. She made it further than I thought she would. Three minutes. Good job. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. We all, <laughs> hey, Maeve. Hey, girl. I love it, y'all. I love having our kids in here with us because they're learning how to worship from us. Amen? Oh, I love it. Okay, so Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 4.3. He says, for as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or any human authority. Look at this, though. I don't even trust my own judgment on myself. Why is Paul saying this? And this is important because we're going to unpack it in a little bit. He's saying this because His own opinion of himself will leave him in shame and in bondage, but it's only understanding the way that God views us that truly sets us free. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 21, I believe. They've got it up there. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we might what? Become the righteousness of God in him. What's the point of this? Yo, I believe that all of us have tension between where we're at and where we want to be. And I believe the solution is a lifetime of walking with Jesus. 
The only way that we're going to have peace in the present is through relationship with God. The only way we're going to have growth towards the future is slow and steady relationship with God. Uh, My sermon title this morning is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. God has called us to a long obedience in the same direction. I've got a couple of quotes from a book of the same name uh, that's kind of set the tone for this message. So let me pray, and we're going to jump into the book of Galatians. God, thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. God, we thank you that you are immeasurably good and immeasurably kind. God, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. Our hearts are wide open. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Go with me real quick. Galatians 6. Stay with me for one more moment, James. 7 through 10. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to only satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. God, we thank you for your word. Speak to us and guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Well, uh, I had a disappointing week on one or two fronts. I hit my emergency weight once again. Can I get an amen from anybody who knows what I'm talking about? That is the weight where I weigh that on the scale and I say we've got an emergency. And so I went out in the garage. I call it the gym for muscles. It's obvious why I call it that, all right? That's where we build the muscles. And uh, I got out there, and I got after it, all right, for like 45 minutes. Got after it, felt great, sweat, went inside, went to sleep, woke up the next day, and I weighed myself. And I was, (laughs) I'm 31 years old, and I was legitimately surprised that I had not lost five pounds overnight, right? Right? You'd think after this amount of time that I would understand how this works, but I I was like dejected. Y'all ever been there before? And uh, moping around the house, go outside and water in the grass, and it hits me how absurd it is that I thought I was going to lose five pounds in eight hours, but I was fully convinced it was going to happen, right? Like I cut one meal out, I exercised really hard, and I'm there. (laughs) No, it's going to take time. Y'all, we all fall into this trap in different ways, right? It's like, if I can just get one week of consistent exercise, I'll lose weight. Or one week of consistent dieting, and I'm going to be there. Or maybe, it's like, God, if I could just get one moment in your presence, everything I've been battling is going to go away. Or God, if I just get one week of consistent time in your word, I'm going to be good. Y'all, I think sometimes... We trick ourselves into thinking it's going to be in a moment that we develop consistency. But here's what I've learned in about eight years of diet and exercise. It is going to be a lifetime of diet and exercise to maintain my weight, right? Yo, the truth is, if we want to live a life of personal holiness, it's not just going to happen in a moment. It's not going to be just one week of Bible study. It's going to be consistent standards and disciplines that we put in our life. And so this is what we've been doing for the past about eight or nine weeks 
is we've been talking about spiritual disciplines. And so you can go back. We've got a podcast, New Life Church downtown. You can listen to some of those messages if you've missed them. But I got a quote I want to read to you. It's from Eugene Peterson. He says, there is a great market for religious experience in our world. Religious experience. But there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians have called holiness. Y'all listen. Salvation happens in a moment, but sanctification takes place over a lifetime. Salvation is where God saves you. You have a relationship with him. Sanctification, that's where you continually grow and you become more like Jesus. Now, here's the good news, all right? Your, your place with God was purchased, Your place with God was purchased. It was bought at the cost of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and it was given to us freely. Can we praise God for that? That's good news, right? Our place with God was purchased, but listen, personal holiness can only be grown. Our relationship with God was purchased, but personal holiness can only be grown, and that takes time. Y'all, the call of Jesus is the call, as Eugene Peterson put it in his book, to a long obedience in the same direction. Listen to me. You are going to have slip-ups. Anybody in here ever had a slip-up? And if you don't think you're going to, you're not going to make it in the faith. (laughs) Because the Christian message is not that once you start following with Jesus, you quit making mistakes. No, it's that you have a baseline for grace to come back to when you do mess up so that you can grow from that point. Everybody say grow. Okay, so there's three things that I believe we've got to do to help us grow. Number one, we've got to know what we want to grow. Everybody say what. Then we've got to water the dead places. Everybody say water. And then we've got to just keep showing up. Amen? Okay, number one, you've got to know what you want to grow. You've got to know what you want to grow. I wonder if you've ever experienced this. Like you're going through life and you're serving God. You're going to church. You're maybe even leading in the church or leading in your community. But inside you're just dry. Like something's not quite right. Y'all listen. I believe that often we confuse the gifts that God's given us with the fruit of the Spirit. Because you can operate in your giftings, but not be growing in fruit. So what's the fruit of the Spirit? For the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness and self-control. Scripture says, and they've got it for you. They can throw it up there. Scripture says that against these things, there is no law. But the fruit of the Spirit produces love. The fruit, now notice it's not plural. Isn't that interesting? It gives you a list, but it's not plural. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Uh, Something that we've established before, but I'll bring it up again, is that I I am the world's greatest gardener, right? I'm a real wizard in the garden. Uh, Check out this video for proof. This, This is my blueberry bush. That is water on it right now. Before that bush came into my tutelage, it was thriving <laughs> and uh, full of blueberries. And my neighbor, you can, you can pause it right there. Pause it right there if you can. Yes, this is my blueberry. A little further. Let's get, yeah, there we go. My neighbor is a botanist. 
He's got a PhD in botany. And he told me, he said, Bronson, don't transplant that bush. It's not going to make it. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll, just, I'll water it, you know. I'll make sure it's good. Y'all, here's what I know. For so many of us in our life, we've been trying to serve God, but we feel crispy like that bush. Amen? We just feel dry. And I believe that it's because often we focus on what we can do for God than who we're becoming as we walk with God. What we can do for God than who we're becoming as we walk with God. Now, notice it says fruit, not fruits. The truth is that as we walk with Christ, we should see all of these things coming up together in our life. Now, how can you tell if you have a natural personality inclination versus God working in the fruit of the Spirit in your life? What do I mean by that? Okay, some of you guys are extroverted. Can you put that scripture back up there? Some of you guys are extroverted. And so you're good with like the love and the joy. It's all good, right? But you struggle to maintain relationships. You struggle with the faithfulness bit. So that could just be a personality that you've got. Or, or maybe you're super patient and you're super gentle, but you struggle to confront in love, right? What God wants to do is God wants to grow you into a congruent, circular person. So like when you see fruit, you, you don't pick the strawberry that's got all the craters in it, right? <laughs> you want to find the strawberry. I'm, anybody else really picky about what strawberries they'll eat? Can you raise your hand? Okay, good. I feel weird sometimes about how skeptical I am of every strawberry that I see. Now, here's, not, here's what I'm not saying. Yo, we've all got problems and issues and scars in our life. God loves you right where you're at. We love you as a church right where you're at, but God loves you too much to keep you there. He wants to grow you in each one of those areas. And what you're going to see is that as you walk with Jesus... You're going to look back and you're like, man, I, I didn't realize it, but I've actually grown in love. Has anybody experienced that? Like you look back at your life, you didn't see it in the moment, but God was growing you as you walk with Jesus. And actually, Fitz Hill is one of the areas I've seen this the most. Fitz will hate me saying this. But I remember just these past few years getting to It's challenged me like crazy because the guy's had a total spiritual revival. And it's just him walking with Christ, right? It's been amazing to see it. And so I wonder what those areas are in your life that God's showing you and highlighting for you that you got to work on. Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not get tired of doing what's good. Listen, the longer you do something with minimal visible results, exercise, dieting, hello somebody, the harder it can be to continue doing those things. But the truth is, is that this is the groundwork for a life of holiness. Y'all, it's not easy, but listen to me. The reward is greater than the cost. It will cost you, but the reward is greater than the cost. But listen, you've got to know what you want to grow in your life. You know, Paul's intentionally using a farming analogy here because you'll reap what you sow. Amen? You can't plant orange seeds and expect apples. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. But I think sometimes in our relationship with God, if we're honest, we live life led by our emotions and by our flesh and our desires 
We follow every whim that comes our way, but then we're surprised that we're not growing in peace, in patience, in faithfulness. Y'all, God's called us to, to sow into those things. This has been so convicting to me. Just so you guys know, I'm not standing up here <laughs> on a platform of like, I have just nailed this and I need to tell everybody how well I've done. My wife will tell you that that is not true. I think for me, especially as pastors, y'all, it is so easy for us to just lean on our gift sets and everybody to think we're being spiritual. But the truth is, is that during this quarantine time, anybody had tension in their home? (laughs) If you say no, you are lying, especially if you've got kids. Relationships will reveal to you the areas where you're the most weak. And, And marriages, I want to speak to marriages real quick. God uses marriage to refine us more than just about anything, but he can also use deep friendship for those of you who aren't married yet. Your friends, your close friends are gonna see things on you that you don't see, right? And they're gonna encourage you to change. Number two, we've gotta water the dead and dry places. So number one, you've gotta know what you wanna grow. Let me come back to number one real quick. One of the things that I've started doing, because God's been working on me with this fruit of the spirit thing, when I talk to somebody who's in conflict, I start encouraging them. Anybody had stress recently? Anybody had tension at work? Anybody had tension with the school system? Right? Fitz, you don't know anything about that. Before you do anything, here's what I want to encourage you with. Here's what I've been trying to do. Before I respond to somebody, before I have a tense meeting, I sit back. Can you put up that Galatians 5 verse again? And I ask myself, Am I displaying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in what I'm doing, in the conversation that I'm having? So I want to encourage you guys, if you all have tension in your lives, that is a good scripture to read every day and ask God to help you with. So number one, we've got to know what we want to grow. Those are the fruits that I want to grow. That's the fruit I want to grow in my life. Number two, we've got to water the dead places. We've got to water the dead places. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to who? Everyone, especially those in the family of faith. So how how do you water the dead places in your life? I I had a a dream uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm not a big, like, dreams person. I dream a lot, but I'm not often like, man, God really spoke to me in in that dream. But I had this dream the other day that I was back at my, my dad's house that he built when I was growing up. And growing up, he had a beautiful lawn, right? Uh, like beautiful, thick zoysia. You all know what I'm talking about? Dad's in the house, yes. We love our lawns. Uh, but in the dream, it was just dry. Like vines had grown into the yard. and just Even the vines were dry. It's bad when the vines are dying in your yard, Right? And then all of a sudden, these people started showing up, and they started planting bushes in the yard and, like, you know, putting in uh, beds and rocks and just almost just covering up the dead places. But in my dream, I kept saying, it just needs water. <laughs> like, we, just, we, can, we can get it healthy again. It just needs water. But they kept putting all this other stuff, and in the dream, I knew that they were going to have more work to do in the long run because of all the things that they'd put on top. Y'all, I believe that so many of us do this in our lives. Like, 
Instead of spending time with God, instead of growing in prayer, instead of spending time in confession, telling people the truth about us, we just start putting religious activities into our life and we expect to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Y'all, we as the Western church are the worst about that. We just do stuff. But God's called us to a life of intimacy with him a life of prayer with him. And how can we tell if we have intimacy with him? We'll have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So what are the dead, dry places of your life? For me, it's been compassion. That that is the number one thing that I struggle with. Uh, I I tend to have a strong, direct personality. And any any bullheaded people in here, you're not going to raise your hands. I don't know why I'm asking. Uh, we tend to struggle with that. What for you? What's, what's wilted? What's dry in your life? What, what do you need to water? Water with the water of confession. Water with the water of prayer. Water with the water of worship. With the word. With work. You know, it shows us here in Galatians 10, or 6.10, we read earlier. Whatever we do, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Listen, you have to be in your relationship with God, but you also have to do. Y'all, this shows us that being a Christian is not all about meetings or programs or gatherings, although we have to do those things within any community. But being a Christian is primarily about doing good to the person in front of you. Y'all, we have to be, but we also have to do you. Listen to me, Christian. If you're not a Christian, that's okay. You're searching. But if you're a Christian, you're a Jesus follower, you have a place to do things within God's kingdom. He says doing good, it's an action. Y'all, I've found that it's when we believe only and we don't act, those are the times that we don't grow. When we believe but we don't act, we don't grow. And I think we've done a disservice as a culture sometimes. We make everything about belief. Y'all, belief is important. But listen, my job is not to love you so that you'll believe. My job is just to love you. (laughs) And God works out the other parts of it, right? I think as Christians, we've made it all about belief. Well, if you believe, then we'll do. No, we're just supposed to do our part and, and the rest of it is God's part, amen? So what's God calling you to do? Where's God calling you to act? Where's God calling you to be self-sacrificing? Because let me let you in on something. A part of a long obedience in the same direction is God is gonna ask you to sacrifice. That's the life of a Christian. That's the life of a Jesus follower. He lived his whole life as a sacrifice. We've been teaching on this a ton, but Romans 12.1 He's called us to be a living sacrifice, to present our bodies to him. And that's our act of worship that he's looking for. So number one, we've got to know what we want to grow. Number two, we've got to water the dead places. And number three, we just got to keep showing up. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, just keep showing up. Galatians 6, 9. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I wonder what places you've nearly given up. I think all of us have nearly given up on the year 2020, right? 
But I wonder about in your marriage, if there's things, maybe it's not even just your marriage, but like, hey, I'm not even, I'm not going to try there anymore. They're not reciprocating. I'm just going to, just going to stop. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe you've been fighting the same battle for years. Just ready to give up. Maybe it could be in your work. Maybe it could be in doing good. Man, nobody's reciprocating. We'll read you one more quote. We're, we're about to close. Here's what it says. It's the last quote I got for you guys. There we go. It says, we live in what one writer has called the age of sensation. Isn't that so true? The age of sensation. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity in doing it. Leave it up there. I'm going to pause here for a second. Have you all ever noticed in, in worship, a lot of times you don't feel like doing it, right? Is that just me? And James is up here exhorting you, come on, clap, you all know, make a loud praise. No, come on, make a loud praise. And you're like, dude, I'm barely here. Like, I don't feel like it. Quit pushing me. But y'all, action, look what it says. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity and do it. But the wisdom of God says something different, that we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. What does that mean? That means if you just wait until you feel like doing the right thing, you're probably not going to do it that much. What I've found in my worship life, like y'all today, I'm just going to be honest with you. I felt nothing, <laughs> nothing in worship. I had my daughter with me in second service and first service, dry as a bone, dry as an old chicken bone, dry as that bush from earlier. But it doesn't matter. My emotions cannot rule my life. Your emotions make great servants. They make terrible masters. Amen. Worship is a time where we tell God who he is. And here's what I found that's true in my life. As I continue to do that, the emotions do eventually come along. But I cannot live my life around what I feel like doing or what I don't feel like doing. And the truth is, is that there are so many areas you're not going to feel like fighting. But you just got to keep showing up. You just got to hold on. There's a story in the Old Testament about Jacob. And Jacob had been forgotten about his entire life. He was the second born. He always had to jockey for position. His dad favored his brother. And he had a moment with God. And he said, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. I don't know if anybody in here is stubborn. I got a lot of bad personality traits just naturally. But stubbornness is one that has actually worked out for me. You can beat me 10,000 times in foosball and I'm gonna want another one. I'm just wired like that. I believe this is the one place it's good for us to be stubborn in our relationship with God. Just hold on. So what do you need to hold on to? What areas do you need to grow in your life? You need that fruit to grow. What areas are dead and dry that you need the water of the Spirit of God to move in your life? And lastly, what areas do you just need to hold on for dear life? Because here's what I know. 
you reap what you sow. And if you sow in faithfulness and you do the thing that God is asking you to do, it will not be easy, but it will be good. It will not be easy, but it will be good. And it's gonna move you towards the abundant life that God's promised you. Y'all, the abundant life in the scripture is not a life full of Mercedes Benz and whatever, although there's nothing wrong with those things. The Bible doesn't speak against wealth. It speaks against the love of wealth. The abundant life that God has for us, I believe fully, I fundamentally believe, it's having a robust inner life. It's being able to have peace. And I believe that as you do these things, you're gonna see more and more of that well up in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just wanna say thank you for listening in. Uh, Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.